Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. So we're into week three of Lighted Up series, Body, Soul, Spirit. And this week we're looking at spirit. But if you miss body or soul, they are on podcast and you can tune in and listen. So we're just going to give a big applause now to all those listening on podcast. Yay! And a wave to those watching on Thrive TV. Between first service and second service, it's actually, there's a camera. So all the things into being that are not. All right, so body. I just want you to become conscious of your big toes, or at least all your toes at the moment. Just give them a wriggle inside your shoes. I hope they're inside shoes. They get very smelly if they're not. Give them a wriggle. All right, now I want you to pull down on your shoulders. Just pull them down and then release. Ah, I heard that. Let's do it again. Pull down and release. Body like that. There might be some other things your body would like you to do or not do. You could ask it during the week. If you don't give it a voice now and again, it will scream at you, and it screams at you with pain. And that's when we really pay attention. But you can pay attention before that. Okay, let's try, close your eyes, and um, become conscious of your thoughts. What are you thinking? Don't tell me. Don't tell anybody. But just become aware of one thought and put that to the side, and now just become aware of an emotion that you're feeling at the moment. The first service guys were all focused on being winners, well, except for the South Africans. They weren't feeling the same emotion. All right, and while you've got your eyes closed, I want you to become conscious of your spirit. And what do you sense? And what is your spirit anyway, and where is it? Good questions, I'm glad you asked, because we're going to talk about that today. All right, the Bible actually uses um, three different words that kind of refer to our inner man. And one of those is, is heart, or the actual word is cardia, spelt with a K, but of course these days we spell it with a C, cardiology and all that kind of stuff. And that refers to the physical heart, but also to that inner man. And then there's the word Psyche, uh, that's how you're supposed to pronounce it, but we all say psyche or psych, psychology, psychotherapy, all that kind of stuff. And that refers to more our soul, and it means breath. But then there's this other word, the word pneuma, with a P, silent P, like in pneumonia, but we're not interested in pneumonia, P-N-E-U-M-A, pneuma. And that word means spirit, but it means like a current of air or a blast. And I like that because it's our spirit that is to be strong, full of a blast of strength and power and all those other wonderful things if we look after it, if we strengthen it and let it. And of course, then you've got the word pneuma in pneumatics and a lot of you here will know about pneumatics. You'll know a lot more than I do. But all I know is they use compressed air to create energy and strength to lift amazing things all through compressed air. I mean, our spirit 
as powerful and can become a lot more powerful than it is. The Bible teaches us that we are spirit, soul, and body, and that we're made in the image of God. And that's where we differ from animals. So you and I are not evolved from apes, monkeys, chimpanzees, or anything that looks like one of those. Just getting that sorted. You can go to high school and be taught something else, and every now and again on TV, they've got another bone, and out of that bone, they construct this whole thing, and then they colour it in, and they make something out of it. And so, oh, look, an ancestor. Hmm. Anyway, the Bible says we're made in the image and likeness of God. And with man, God did something different. He created animals, but man, he created. And then the Bible says he breathed into them the breath of life, and man became a living soul, a living spirit. Very different. So in his image is about being spirit as well inside of us. We're not like him in body, in spirit. We might be like him in body, but God's big. You can't fit him in a body. So in Maori culture, which is deeply spiritual, they have the word wairua for spirit. And uh, so then you get wairua tapu, which is spirit holy, holy spirit, or spirit sacred, holy spirit. Also in Maori, and I read this from a website that knows about Maori, they said this, the word wairua also means shadow. Hold on to that one. Another word denoting a reflected image and shadow is ata, which is a name for spirit. Reflected image or shadow. That's what our spirit is to be of our Father, a reflected image. So, Solomon was a man who lived a long time ago, one of the wisest men ever, except in one area. And um, so Solomon said this. He said that God has also planted eternity, a sense of divine purpose in the human heart, a mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. Someone else has put it another way. They say that there's a God-shaped hole within us and only God can fill it. But we do try all sorts of things under the sun to fill that hole. And I'm sure you, like me, have tried a few. I'm not listing mine. I'm just giving a general idea here. Okay? Right body image, possessions, money, achieving, sex, winning, the right car, recognition, and the list goes on and on and on. All these other things under the sun which do not satisfy that mysterious longing. And then we have cultures all through history that have searched for the divine, looking for that in that spirit realm to find that connection. And so you can look into all sorts of tribes and all sorts of nations, and you'll find that they've tried to create pathways to a being. And a lot of those beings are not our holy God, but they reflect the search that's in the heart of man. Maybe at some stage you've done some searching. Maybe you've searched in Eastern religions 
or in spiritualism or seances or witchcraft or new age or spirit guides or channeling or mantras or and the list goes on. But none of those things are going to satisfy. Some people even look for spiritual bonding in a gang as a way of finding connection. You know, there is a real spiritual world out there. It is black and it is white. And so you've got to know what you're tapping into when you start searching. There is one Holy Spirit, Wairua Tapu, who is the Spirit of God, a loving God, a God who only has our good in mind, a God who wants relationship with us. Or maybe, as with much of Western culture, you've adopted humanism without even realizing it because we live in an environment, in education, every area that just tells us, deny the supernatural, deny the need for faith as all the answers are found in us. We have the right and responsibility to shape our own lives, to give meaning. There is no divine to give account to, this is what they say, the definitions say, but instead we recognize that moral, listen to this, moral values are properly founded on human nature and experience alone. Which is really scary because, I mean, whose experience are we going to rely on? And whose moral values are we going to take hold of? And so we end up with these bills that are currently before Parliament based on somebody's experience, somebody's idea of moral values or how we should shift them and then shift them a bit more. Humanism is not the answer. Warua is one of the cornerstones of Māori well-being, spirituality. In fact, a lot of Māori believe it is the most important of those cornerstones. And uh, it's interesting that there's actually a focus on spirituality in the new government well-being program thing that they're, they're rolling out. And you wonder why. Well, it's easy to find out why because some of the medical um, websites I looked at had all this information about spirituality. And uh, from the Psychology Today magazine in August uh, 2016, they list these surprising health benefits of spirituality. And there they are. Look at that. Greater happiness, longer life, lower risk of depression and suicide, more resilient. I have to say them all for the podcast, people. I know you can read. Uh, develop more faithful and enduring relationships, have happier children, and are more satisfied with family life. And then the Australian organisation called Meaningful Aging Australia says this. There is now a large body of evidence showing that pastoral and spiritual care is an essential part of holistic care. And then I heard this guy on TED Talks, Dr. Tony Jack, who's got some interesting degrees in psychology and philosophy and cognitive neuroscience. And having done a whole lot of research, including looking at slices of the brain, um, scans when people ask certain questions and all that, he says, science shows religion is beneficial. And these are some of the things that he found, very similar to before. 
longer lifespan, better psychological health, better emotional regulation, higher emotional intelligence. And he says thus, it's not about people, people who go to church, attend church, it's for social reasons. It is about believing. I don't think this guy is a Christian at all. He's just looking into the research side of it. So he came to the conclusion there's a lot of evidence that suggests it's good for your sake to be religious. We're going to um, just invite up two special guests right now. And uh, so come on up, Hayden and Emma, who are part of our church. And I want you to hear some of their story. <coughs> Better get my questions. So these guys have been part of our church for almost five years. And uh, their lives have changed in front of our eyes. And um, we're just so thrilled to see the way that not only have your lives changed for yourselves, but you have uh, um, just gone right into loving and serving other people, which is awesome. So welcome. Relax. You've done it before, and it worked really well. So um, your lives were actually very different uh, a few years ago. And uh, we want to talk a little bit about the beginning there. So Hayden, you nearly drowned as a five-year-old, and then your mum used to tell you after that that um, someone was looking out for you that day. And that left that sort of impression in you that, well, it took you on a bit of a spiritual quest. So uh, what was the first direction that that spiritual curiosity took? Yeah, the, the, the first um, curiosity was just straight into um, doing Ouija boards, seances, <coughs> calling up demonic spirits. Oh, what fun. No, <laughs> it's not. All right, then at 15, things changed a little bit. What happened? You were about 15. What happened then? Yeah, um, I had a friend that was doing around the same sort of stuff, and um, he was going to church at the time. Um, so he invited me along because um, I really wanted to get answers for all the stuff that I, I sort of seen in that. Yep. So yeah, we went along to a Christian camp um, and just had a real, real radical encounter as, as a young teenager. Um, I went up front, got some prayer, and God just really touched me. It felt like pure honey coming from my head down to my toes. It was like the Whoa. best drug I've ever had in my whole life. <laughs> Better than You'll all the stuff. You'll find out he's had a few. Yeah, all yeah. the stuff I experimented. Um, yeah, it was, it was really pure and really, really clean, and I felt really light afterwards. Just Whoa. like he took everything out. Wow. So it was like a physical experience as well. You it could was. physically feel it. And so what changed in your life immediately after that? Um, I started to see all the the dark things around me that I never seen before. So yeah. um, when I was at when I was at home, I had, my whole house was just full of like Marilyn Manson pictures and um, all the Mercedes. I just I could just that was horrible, man. So I just grabbed it all, burned it all, like smashed all the Mercedes over a hundred CDs. Wow. I just had to get rid of music and yeah, yeah. yeah. And so um, I gather there was a few challenges after that as well. Yeah, so um, as I as I went along in the in a few years there, I started getting real full on spiritual attacks, like eye to eye seeing them, um, and and I knew where the power was in the name of Jesus because I was going along to church at the time, yeah. and I'd be praying, and these things would go, uh, but yeah, they they'd keep coming back. So in the end, you enlisted some help. Yeah, so we um, someone rang up about. Um, have you been involved with Ouija boards and doing all this sort of stuff? Because it sort of just yep. forgot about, you know. Yep. And I was like, yes. And um, so yeah. we prayed, renounced it all, and um, did the prayer again. And I haven't had anything ever since. Wow. That's so awesome. 
So good. So moving on a few years, um, you actually landed up in the wrong crowd. What was what happened then? Yeah, so I slipped away and just drinking drugs, and it just it just took me away from from my faith. Yeah, wow. and it was so destructive. You know, I lost lost. Um, well, I didn't lose, um, but I walked away from my family and my kids and stuff um, back then. Yeah. Wow. So very destructive stuff, and yet at the same time there was like the pull of God on you. What was one of the things that you experienced that you knew God was hunting you down still? Yeah, yeah. You? So yeah, over, over that time, God kept calling me back in dreams. Um, I had a recurring dream of um, dying, and I left my body, and I went to a very dark place, um, Hades or hell, um, whatever way you want to look at it. Um, and it was a place where I went, and it was so real. It was like this. It was just so real. And mm. I remember being there, and it was just complete darkness, um, darker than dark and it was just there was such fear there because I knew I was there and once you're there that's it there's no coming yeah, back I remember yeah. praying to Jesus just take me away from here you know and then I'd wake up and then I'd just go back into my old ways I was just surrounded by my crowd yeah. you know couldn't break out of that no. that crowd okay we'll leave you in that dark place but not for long <laughs> and we'll come to I know he's not there now we'll come to Emma so, Emma, tell us a little bit about your growing up years. Um, well, I didn't really have a normal childhood. I grew up with my mum having severe mental illness and mm. really unstable and, um, like, trying to commit suicide all the time, like, in front of me even. And I was wow. being, like, emotionally and physically and sexually abused by people in my environment and things. So it wow. wasn't a normal childhood at all. Wow. So um, because of that, I sort of learned to take care of myself from a young age. You know? yeah. yeah. And then you guys met in Omaru yes. and you ended up shifting to yeah, Rangiwa we were, Christchurch to be with Hayden? Yeah, we dated for about a year and then I moved to Christchurch, yeah. So what was life like for the two of you in your relationship back then? Um, it started off sort of okay, but like our okay was that we would drink and, you know, take drugs and have fun all Thursday on through Sunday and that was like our normal, you know, and all our friends did the same so we saw that as just normal what our lives were like. But it eventually got quite destructive and to the point where we were like physically and emotionally, like, assaulting each other, like, you know, being, yeah. you know, that type of thing. So not wow. a healthy relationship at all. No, no. <laughs> and then um, you realise that in spite of what you kind of normalised, that was part of you that was searching for something. And yeah. that brought you to a, going to a church that you'd never, be, you'd never been to a church ever before and landed up at Grace Church and Borough School here in Rangiora. Yeah, so one night Hayden and I were drinking, we had big domestics, and I just like, yeah, some, always I'd known that there was just something, but I didn't know what it was, and it was like you said earlier, there's that part of us that longs for God, but we don't necessarily understand yeah. or know that, yeah. so um, I decided that night that I was like, I'm going to go to church in the morning, and I just like felt this overwhelming, you know, urge to go, so in the morning I got up, and I was getting ready to go, and I had... Um, rashes all over my body randomly and I sort of now understand and see that as I yeah. believe the enemy trying to stop me from going yep. and all these yep. doubts and sort of attacks against going but I pushed on and went anyway and um, there was a lady at the door 
I guess it was sort of like divine appointment and she sort of took me under her wing and I sat with her and then at the end she said, do you want to give your life to, you know, to God, to Jesus? And I didn't really understand what that meant, but my spirit, I guess, was yeah. saying yes yeah. and I was obedient to that and um, did that and it was sort of a wee bit like Hayden's experience where it was just so overwhelming, like Holy Spirit coming to minister to my heart and I was crying and thinking, and things, but um, it was also like I guess God was trying to show me that like His Holy Spirit, his, the power, because taking drugs and things like you get that high, but it was like that experience was like way more than taking drugs. Like it was like He gave me this, yeah, and I felt like I shouldn't have even been driving home after. Like it was really <laughs> crazy. I was like, oh, I don't, yeah, I hope I don't get pulled over on the way home. High on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> So did did much change in your life at that point? Um, not right away, but um, I definitely felt convicted, like when I would, you know, still be the taking same stuff. Dr- yeah, doing the same stuff, but, but felt if bad I would take, of good. Yeah, like God was yeah. pressing on my heart, like this isn't right type thing. Wow. So I guess it was just the beginning. And you didn't go back to church at that stage either. No. Not then. No. Okay, let's bring Hayden back in. Remember we left him in a dark place? He actually went even worse. And um, so Hayden, by the time you were 33 years old, you were in a really bad place. Tell us about that. Yeah, Not yeah. too much about it, no, but I mean something no. about it. It just, it just got, it got heavier and heavier, you know, like trying to fill that hole. I was um, really into heavy drugs by now. Um, my drinking was just out of control, you know, from Thursday to Sundays every day. And, and the drugs, um, yeah, got to the to the bottom of the barrel way, eh? you know, like yeah. it was, I was just, oh, I was horrible, such a horrible feeling. Um, and then one night I got taken away one night from home by a police officer and I sort of knew if I didn't change soon enough, you know, it yep. uh, wasn't going to be good. And But at the same time, I knew God was still there, you know, yep. like, and I always knew from always. that encounter he was there. Mm-hmm. So I was working, uh, I was in the clock tower in Hornby and that was just like, that's it, God. I'm coming back. You know, I'm giving you my whole life. Where do you want? Where do you want me to go? You know. Yeah. And it's quite strange. You know. And it was like, he just said thrive, and then he goes thrive, and then I was. It was during the whole day. Just keep coming to me, thrive. So yeah. I've seen the church, but I've seen all the other churches. I didn't know what sort of church um, thrive was, but I just <laughs> went home and said to him, I was just like, yeah, we we need to go to thrive. All right. Okay. So you ended up here, and um, Emma, how did you feel about coming along here? With Hayden at the beginning? Um, I wanted to go, but I had quite a lot of anxiety and um, I sort of found it really hard wanting to change, like having that group of friends that we used to do those things with, but then jumping into this sort of lifestyle where I was in the middle and I had felt like I had no one and I would go home after church every Sunday for like a year and just cry because I didn't feel, yeah. yeah. But that didn't last long. Like, yeah, I'm completely free. So how did God help you with that? Sorry, what was that? How did God help you with that in terms of feeling alone and doing all this sort of thing? Well, pretty quickly, um, yeah, Kiri Harris was like a massive person for me. Like, if I honestly believe that if God, you know, God knows just who we need and the type of personality we need. And I needed someone that wouldn't stop talking so I could say nothing. (laughs) And she... (laughs) She, God gave me that, so, <laughs> and um, yeah, I totally believe that if I didn't have Kerry, that I don't know that I would have kept coming, because right. she was such a support to me. Yeah, yeah. 
And yeah. I think for the both of you, you talked about Sean and Nikki and Kerry and Blair becoming like family for you. Yeah, well, when you go from like that yeah. to having people that generally care about you and it's not just about drinking together and we'll see you next weekend. Yeah. Uh, it's like there's substance. Yes. Yeah. Very good. And then, Emma, a, a, a big day happened for you guys. You ended up getting married. Now, why did you bother getting married when you've been living together for so long? Um, I guess we we wanted to do things right by God, and it felt like the right thing to do. Cool. And, um, yeah. And you had some um, of your not-yet-Christian friends at your wedding, and I understand three of them actually gave speeches. What did they say? Um they sort of got up and um, gave, because they knew what our lives were like before, very destructive and not like the way we are now, that um, yeah, they got up and gave testimony to how God's changed our lives. Like, you know, non-Christian friends doing that, that's pretty cool. It is yeah. pretty cool. That is really cool. So, um, Emma, in lots of ways, your life is incredibly different. I mean, it's like you could not have dreamt of what it is now. No. Tell us something that's amazing about your life now apart from Hayden <laughs> um well I left school with like nothing never really cared for school I just wanted to have fun with my friends and things but um now after you know becoming a Christian and my life changing um realizing what God wanted for me and things I um, am now in the last year of my bachelor of teaching and I'm wow. gonna be a teacher yes. like a qualified teacher um, yes yeah it's pretty cool. Yeah, and I work in an, um, an amazing centre in Lowburn as well. That's wonderful. Yeah. It's a Christian centre too, so I get to preach to children every day, so that's cool. Wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. I can see you've got that anointing. <laughs> yes. And so for you guys in your um, journey of just growing as Christians, I understand um, from what we've talked about that for you, Emma, being out in creation has really helped you connect with God. Yeah. And then around praise and worship has yes. been amazing too. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. Hayden, for you, um, you talked about the most important thing for or a couple of things. One was to be learn to be still, and the other one was about the Word of God. And, and I can remember, and many of you will too, when Hayden first came along, he's like this big thirsty dry sponge, and he was just <laughs> sucking up everything he could, um, particularly in, in understanding God and the Bible and all of that. So do you want to make a comment on, on that? Yeah, um, being, being still is a lot harder than um, yeah. just being still. You know, it's in this society we live in now, to be still and turn everything off around you and just focus on God, it can be quite hard. Um, yeah. So that was really key for me. It was just turning everything off, you know, yep. praise and worship, reading the Bible, understanding the scriptures that really made uh, my relationship with God um, go stronger and, and, and from level to level. And, f and from that day when I first started coming to Thrive, my drugs and alcohol gone, man. Click of the fingers, like I was just yeah. like, boom, didn't need it, don't want it. Wow. The, the, freedom yeah, that, yeah, the freedom that God can bring into your heart if you let him, let him come in is, is phenomenal, you know? Like, awesome. Like, you, you don't realise the freedom that's there until you um, allow him in there. Yeah. And I remember you talking about that with me too, Emma, that one of the recent revelations you've had is that where the Holy Spirit is, there is freedom. So if I have an area in my life that I don't have freedom, then Holy Spirit's not there and I need to invite him on. So thank you so much, guys, and thank you, Jesus. That's awesome.
a fantastic story, and um, you did so well, both of you, in presenting that and sharing that with us. And thank you for being courageous to do that as well. And, uh, you know, we just look forward to hearing more and more stories from you folk in here and from them out there that you're going to bring in here and or that you're going to, you know, get to know in your neighbourhood. So I just want to move on and, and finish really with um, just a little bit around um, talking more about our spirit, that, um, you know, I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. So the real me is my spirit. And my spirit is the place that's, it's, it's invisible. I always put my hand there when I talk about spirit. I don't know where your spirit lives. Um, and uh, it's invisible, it's immaterial, and yet it's the part that connects us with God. And it's the part that God connects into. So our spirit becomes full of courage and joy and faith, and passion, conviction, not a conviction about, oh, I shouldn't be doing that anymore, um, but conviction that God is good, conviction that I have a new identity and who I can become. So many areas. You know, our, our soul, our spirit, rather, knows stuff that we don't. It already has a vision of our future in God, and it's just trying to get that to us and grow us into reaching that. And our spirit is also eternal. There was a, a man named Jairus whose daughter was really, really sick. And he went searching for Jesus. This is in Jesus' time. He went searching for Jesus, found Jesus, invited him to his home. By the time he got there, his little girl had died. But Jesus went into the room with some of his friends. And he took the little girl by the hand and said, get up. And the Bible says, her spirit returned. So when she died, her body died, her spirit lived on, and it left. When Jesus called her back to life, her spirit returned. You see, our spirit is eternal. It will live on forever. And um, for a Christian, when we die, our real person, our spirit, goes to be with Jesus. It gets a an amazing body, um, and then we sit on a harp, uh, sit on a cloud and play the harp. No, 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 we don't do that. God's got way more than that, although it's pretty hard to play a harp. Um, but no, we join, we partner with God in extending his goodness, his creative intent for all of this universe that just keeps on growing and growing. I mean, there's a lot of planets that need a bit of work, aren't there? Would you like to take over one, Issa, and just design and create and make things? You could do that. Yeah, there we are. So, however, outside of life with Jesus, in its default state, our spirit is cut off from God. And it needs to be alive. Why have part of you that's dead? Why have the most important part of you dead? It needs to be alive. It comes alive as we believe in Jesus and invite Holy Spirit to ignite our spirit. And Jesus said that when we do that, this is so amazing that we're a whole new creation, a new being, as these guys discovered. And he said too that it's so important that you must 
be born again. You must be born again, born of the Spirit. And when it comes alive, our spirit is hungry. It wants to grow strong because it's got all that knowledge of what God has got planned for us. In its weak little shriveled up state, ain't much going to happen. But as we open up, like we did in worship today, as we keep opening up our spirit, letting God invade, calling him into more and more areas, positioning ourselves to lean into him, then our spirit grows. And it has a problem, though, because soul often gets in the way. You know, soul has a mind of its own, literally. And, um, and soul is used to getting its needs met its own way. It's been programmed to do that, and it has to be reprogrammed, transformed. And uh, so soul gets off the throne, and spirit becomes the boss. But spirit needs our help to do that. And one of the things that the Bible talks about, uh, actually Paul, writing to Timothy, he talks about spiritual exercise. He said physical exercise has some value, but spiritual exercise is valuable in every way because it promises life both for the present and for the future. I mean, when the body's finished, it's finished, but the spirit goes on into the future. And we want a really healthy spirit to take with us. And it starts with connecting with Jesus, the Jesus connection. I'm just going to run through very quickly some ways of connecting your spirit to God so that you can grow. Okay, so the first one is the Jesus connection. And I've talked about that, that that's the beginning. You must be born again. How? I heard you ask me that, and I'll tell you a little bit later. The next one is Bible connection. And we have Bibles here to give away. If you don't have a Bible and uh, you would like a Bible or you've got a friend who would like a Bible, just see us afterwards. We've got Bibles to give away. This is the most basic food for your spirit. You need to feed it, get into it, meditate on it. And then conversational connection. And uh, that's where we have these faith conversations with God. We talk to him all through the day about stuff that's happening and what we'd like to happen. And then if we listen, he'll talk back to us. And the spirit language is a very sensory language. So it's kind of like impressions or pictures or visions or dreams. And we learn to understand that spirit language. God speaks to us. It's a two-way conversation. Relational connection, and this is what these guys talked about was so important for you to have this new family around you who are strong in spirit and could keep encouraging you and speaking into your lives. We all need that. You'll get some here on a Sunday morning. That's not enough. You need to be in a life group. Have a mentor or two. Just draw from people who can be there for you. Let your spirit be built. Contemplative connection. Again, you talked about the importance of this for you. Learn to be still. I read this recently. This is the age of the half-read page, the quick hash, the mad dash, the bright night with the nerves tight, the plane hop and the brief stop, the lamp tan and a brief span, the big shot and a good spot, the brain strain and the heart pain. We have to learn to be still and to be alone with God. And you can do that out on a beach if it works for you. Journal, write down what you're saying to God and what he says back. 
Soak up his delight in you and listen to his dreams for you. It's in that stillness that we find that. Then the serving connection. We've got to exercise this spiritual man. What can he do to minister to others? And find ways to serve, whether you volunteer on a team at church or community outreach or whatever that looks like. But your spirit needs to be exercised in showing love and compassion to others. It's part of its growth. Creation connection. Go out in nature and just be bathed in the majesty and the bigness and the amazingness of the order of creation. Mountains, hills, trees, forests, lakes, beaches, sunsets, sunrises, if you're that way inclined at that time of the day. And which I'm just wondering if daylight saving might start next Sunday. You might need to check that. So um, it does. Um, and then to pick up, well, even to, we, we were at the zoo in London a wee while ago and uh, just looking at some of the fish in the tanks there and the coral, and it, it was unreally beautiful. And you see where one colour stops on the fish scales and another colour starts. Who, how do those scales know that blue goes there and yellow goes there and, and then red goes there? And just amazing, the order and the intricacy, as well as the huge majesty. Then music connection, and we'll get the music guys up at the moment. Let your spirit be drawn into that awareness of God through worship music. Soak in the lyrics. Let them build into you. And then finally, well, it's only finally on my list because we're running out of time. And um, you can come up with other things. But the activist connection, I've called it. You know, to be like Superman and, and uh, stay, take that step of faith. Be a superhero for Jesus. Go and talk to that person about what Jesus has done for you. Or do something with your money that reflects the heart of God. Be generous. Take that risk. There's so many others. And we can exercise our spirit in that way. If I had time, I'd tell you another recent supermarket story where I got to bless somebody else. Amazing little story. Well, only a little amount of money, but it made a huge difference to someone. So you are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. And from this series, you've learned that God wants you to take good care of all three so that they're healthy. But most of all, He wants your spirit strong because He knows what He's got for you. Your spirit knows. And today, as we finish off, we're just going to go back into a, a song in a moment. And I really believe that God wants to impart something into your spirit today. Before we do that, I did tell you that I'd give you the answer to how you can be born again. It's really easy. You see, Jesus has done everything. There's not a list of rules to get to Jesus, to get to Father God, it's simple. It's Jesus, I need you. There's nothing else under the sun that's going to connect me to God. I need you, Jesus. And today, I ask you to come into my life to empower me to live for you and to build a strong spirit into me. Let's stand together. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. 
Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social media. 